Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of our Manchester Derby post-mortem here on the City Watch American Citizens podcast. My name is Gray, and here today with is, well, I, I guess we are calling him our, our Eddie Had correspondent, even though <laughs> I, yesterday, I suppose you were the old Trafford correspondent, Joe Bailey. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same ring I to don't it, like uh. it. We're not doing it, so. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the last time we Hopefully. get called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, good afternoon. Our, uh, our, our, our Manchester correspondent. Yeah, well, good afternoon. Glad to have you. Um, uh, yeah, we, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh, tired because uh, <laughs> in, in, in celebration of uh, yesterday's game, uh, there was I, I decided to stay in Manchester and uh, it was a good night, put it that way. It was a good night. <laughs> I bet, yeah. We, we said yesterday we were, we were going to have you on yesterday and the first the first one we did, but you were out and we said we fully support and endorse this. If you can't <laughs> if you can't celebrate that, what can you celebrate? So exactly, <laughs> we're all for it. Um, you were, as I understand it, and as we've been saying, you were uh, seated amongst the United fans yesterday, were you not? Yeah, um, I'm afraid so. Yeah, because okay. so. <laughs> it's so difficult to get an away ticket. I tried so hard, and luckily, well, luckily, I'll use that loosely. I have to a friend agree, yes. uh, on the wrong side of Manchester, and they support the wrong team, and uh, they happen to have a spare ticket, which I took advantage of, and um, was sat very close to the Stratford end, not too far from the away fans, and uh, it was interesting. It was it was great to. Uh, have like a live perspective on our on our fans going absolutely crazy uh, throughout the game. Um, I'm sure we'll get into more of the atmosphere in a second, but it was phenomenal, really, on, on both ends. And uh, I'm not normally one to uh, compliment the Old Trafford atmosphere because it's notoriously bad. Um, but well, it, it was it was electric. Second. Wait a second, <laughs> theirs is notoriously bad. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know that, judging from how the internet reacts to things, would you? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> but but anyway, yeah, I can only imagine how hard it is to get a ticket in the away end there, because uh, for one, you have, it's not a long trip, so more than your usual away dares are probably queuing up for that, and obviously you have a limited number of tickets. But um, yeah, let's get into the atmosphere. It was... When we solicited questions, that was the question we got. Um, particularly, and this is from Eric Lee Brandt on Twitter, who asked us this, so we'll just get that out of the way right now. Um, the first half in particular, it was generally regarded, everyone says, the first 40 minutes were, you know, fantastic. And mm -hmm. that's what we want to know. What was the reaction of that stadium during those 40 minutes in particular? And we will get into the rest of the game. But those 40 minutes in particular, were they as impressed as everyone else was? Or was it – I mean, <laughs> after all, they <laughs> totally didn't want Pep in the first place. So I'm sure they weren't that impressed. <laughs> well, it's, it was difficult really. I mean, I'll set the scene to start with. There was so much optimism in the United end. Um before the game, um, you could really feel a buzz, and I, I guess it was, I guess for the first time in a while, um, some people were calling them favourites. I certainly wasn't going to call them favourites because I'm not naive to think that uh, Pep could still perform uh, without Sergio Aguero. But there was so much optimism, um, and then, I mean, right from the off, five minutes in, uh, De Bruyne puts across that. Um, 
very uh, very dangerous ball which perhaps Raheem Sterling should have run onto. Um, and there's, I mean, there's so much anxiety from five minutes in, um, and that carried on really. And uh, if I got a penny for every time um, someone was complimenting Kevin De Bruyne from the opposite fans as well, opposite fan base, uh, I'd be a very well-off person. Uh, people around me just were like, as soon as he got on the ball, uh, everyone was uh, shouting at the United players just to. Uh, get on him straight away because um, he was phenomenal. I'm sure we'll touch on that even more later on, but he was just untouchable pretty much. So first 40 minutes, which I deem possibly the best 40 minutes I've seen Man City play for a long time, um, they were honestly stunned. The There was still the atmosphere, still the derby atmosphere you'll get, but it was followed by so much anxiety. Um and it, we really shut them up, actually. The early goal really shut them up. And um, uh, it wasn't until later on in the, the first half that they got back going again. Unfortunately, we gifted them that. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was very anxious, which, was, which played into our hands perfectly because the Old Trafford fans can get very anxious very quickly. And it, it gets the players' heads down sometimes, which, and they were very down. Uh, and the away fans for City throughout the first half and the whole game were incredible. Uh, it was like a home game for us in those f- first uh, 40 minutes, I think. Yeah, because I'm a bit of a sadist, I do. I did go back afterward and I read the... Uh, I, I lurked on the Red Cafe match thread to <laughs> yeah. see. Because I like to... And it's not, not to troll. I mean, if I wanted to troll, I would sign up and troll. But I'm not really <laughs> interested in that. But... Um, I was just – I wanted to see what, what – you know, because it was so dominant and I wanted to see the mood beforehand too. And there was a lot of optimism about the team, you know, once they saw the team selection and everything. And then as soon as we started playing, it was just, what is going on? You know, second best was, everything. Yeah. It was it was unconvincing. I was surprised actually. I, I thought we'd cause them problems just by a high pressing. And the uh, the problem with Mourinho's selection is when you have a high-pressing team like ourselves, you have to have pace to run in behind. And he didn't have that. He had uh, Lingard, who had a, a shocking game, let's make no two ways about it, uh, and Mkhitaryan, who obviously wasn't ready to play. Uh, and he had Rashford and Martial on the bench, who would have offered that pace. And with the high-pressing, we took Ibrahimovic out of the game. Um, very quickly, and as we the, predicted on this podcast last week, by the way, indeed, we yeah, knew he was not going to track back. Yeah, uh, and I, I knew they'd have problems as soon as they didn't pick uh, Rashford and Martial. I knew they'd have problems. Um, you have to have pace if playing against a high line; otherwise, there's there's nothing there. That was the surprise for me. Um, I, I think everyone sort of – the, the game plan was no secret, let's be honest. We kind of knew that City were going to dominate the ball and yeah. Mourinho was going to try to dominate the space, launch counterattacks, launch, lo- launch long balls because of the height advantage that they had and the presumed physical advantage that they had on that front. Yeah. So – but they weren't really – they didn't look prepared for the high press, which surprised me. And I'm not sure if that was – I don't think it was Mourinho. He would know better than anyone else what they were in for. But the players just didn't seem prepared for the intensity of what they faced was the impression that I got. 
I, I totally agree, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I think the problem might have uh, derived from the centre of the park, to be honest, because um, uh, although Pogba's a fantastic player, um, he didn't... He wasn't on his game. At times he was fantastic on the ball, but sometimes we were too quickly on him. Um, he, he's playing alongside Fellaini, which couldn't help him at all. I and mean, neither of them, must... neither of them were really tracking De Bruno, which is why Not he was more, tearing uh, them apart. They just weren't tracking the runs. Yeah, um, I, I actually said to one of my friends that they really could have done with uh, like a Angolo Kante sort of. Yeah. Uh, person uh tracking that falling back into the channels um almost uh, uh on the last line of defense because uh more often than not de bruyne was getting in that firstly the left channel um which um well we we scored from him pre- uh, pressing high up but uh, that cross that i talked about very early on uh, came from the left channel and then uh, he switches over to the right channel still no one picking him up um, and he hits the post for Iheanacho to follow up for our second goal. Um, and if they had, uh, I suggested that they could have had uh, Chris Smalling instead of Daly Blint and played Daly Blint as almost like a uh, a halfback just in front of the centre-backs, but um, because Fellaini just isn't, he's terrible, He's and it was great he's to not, watch. He's not mobile enough for, to, to face He's not at all, he's, he's physical. But he's not quick. He can't. He doesn't pick offer up. enough in a game like that. Exactly, and he's not good enough on the ball either. So mm-hmm. uh, we took great advantage in that, and uh, also in the middle of the park there was Rooney for a lot of the game. And to be honest, he—I I don't know what it is with him. I, I thought Mourinho would maybe take him off and just ignore his uh, untouchable reputation that he somehow has. But Rooney was, he, he did not have a good game at all. Uh, the amount of times I saw Fernandinho rob him, Silva rob him, him just pass it straight to us sometimes. Um, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, the, the, we dominated them. We outclassed them in the centre of the park. And I think that's where it was won and lost in the first half, as well as us uh, just showing up. We, our intensity was, the, was there and theirs just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that, one of the things we've talked about many times, Josh and I on this podcast, is the notion that um, I don't think Mourinho knows his best team yet. And they're trying to accommodate a lot of players that don't necessarily on paper mesh together because Slotin is going to demand a lot of the ball, um, which kind of squeezes Rooney out to not know what he's supposed to do. And Correct. then you have Pogba, who wants to be an attacking midfielder, but you know he's, there's more to him than that. And they insist on there being more to him than that, as they should. So yeah. there are guys that I don't think are either comfortable or cut out for their roles. And I think with City, obviously, Pep is still working on his best team as well. We haven't even seen several yeah. players that we anticipate are going to be key players for the team. But at the same time, everyone seems to know their role. Everyone seems to be able to perform their role. Everyone – and um, – Gimp Balgue said this on Twitter yesterday. I actually cited it on the other podcast. Yeah. Everyone on City seemed to know what they were trying to do, even if it wasn't a finished product yet. And the same couldn't have been said of United. I think that was Absolutely. a big takeaway from it. Yeah. Um, without wanting to uh, talk too much about United's team, as tempting as right. it is, um, <laughs> um, I-, I will say one more thing. I-, I totally agree with what you said there, because... 
I think that was illustrated throughout the game, really, uh, right from the start with the team selection, as I've said. Um, I, I would have I, I would have played Matter at some point. I think he's a better passer of the ball than Rooney is, and uh, uh, any of their uh, attacking midfielders as well. Um, uh, like I said, I would have played the, the pacey players, but it's illustrated further in the second half where, for some bizarre reason, um, Mourinho puts Rooney on the outside, on the on the right, um, and he's not a winger. He's 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 he wasn't good in the middle, and to put him on the wing was was a a, a terrible call, really. But that's the difference. Um, I'll start talking more about Man City now. Um, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, we can we can definitely talk about. Although, City. like you said, uh, Pep. Um, Although you said um, quite rightly that Pep, we definitely haven't found our strongest eleven yet. And that's because of uh, injuries more than anything else and just easing players into the season. Um, But um, I think he's done the best with what he has. Like you said, everyone has the role. Everyone has an understanding of their role. Um, Everyone's seems to be playing in their strongest positions. No one's playing out of position. Um, he's gone. He's gone bold, and he's he's uh, completely scratched uh, the whole Sterling on the left wing thing. Because partly because Nolito's so good, um, puts him on the right. He's much better. Brings Sani on on the right. He's even better than Sterling was yesterday. Um, he, he seems to know exactly the strengths and weaknesses of our players, and uh, has a has assigned their roles accordingly, and it's paid off uh, magnificently. I think. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, what did you think of Sané? We had some mixed comments on him, actually, because there were some people that said he looked like a little tentative, a little short of full fitness, which might be true. But at the same time, he was running it, guys. And yeah. I like that. Obviously, he almost probably should have set up a third, but De Bruyne couldn't get it past the post. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that pass was actually a little bit underrated I thought because he delayed it and the timing was perfect on it um, he, he had a couple of other passes and, and quite rightly he said that he was running at Luke Shaw a lot more than uh, Sterling did yesterday which seemed to make a difference he almost got past Shaw uh, a few times and really created something dangerous I thought I think that he's going to be fantastic for us He he's not at full fitness I think that was obvious from as soon as he came on really um, but um, he seems to possess all the right traits for um, a Pep Guardiola right winger. Uh, he knew exactly what position to be in. He was running at players. Uh, he can cut in on his left foot. He has a great left foot. Uh, he seems to be a very capable passer of the ball. So even though we haven't seen the best Sane, certainly yesterday, uh, I saw enough from him to be really impressed and excited. And I, I think he's going to start... Um, uh, in the in one of the next couple of games, I think he could start on that right hand side. I think we we actually talked about this yesterday. We wouldn't be surprised to see him on Tuesday, um, for a couple of reasons. Namely, we we don't know if it was fatigue from Sterling or the fact that they they seem to be focusing on that side at first, but as the game went on, they seemed to be targeting Nolito a little bit more down the left hand side. Yeah. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if Sterling was just feeling a little bit tired or not. You know, everyone's entitled to a, di- a bit of an off day. But um, if they do feel like giving him a rest, Tuesday would make sense. Plus, German opposition. I don't know if that will play in anyone's thinking, but um, Sané would know 
Gladbach. If they, if they did want to do that, he would be experienced. He would have played against them, I would have thought. So that was that was just a thought we had, but I agree with you. Um, let, let's after let's let's talk about two goals because we saw Blint get caught out on both of them actually. But <laughs> the the way that they, I thought the best part oh, the 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 whole forty minutes was really really impressive. But between the yeah. first and the second goal, I think was the absolute best because. They were just first to every ball, and I I, know, I feel like I'm belaboring a point, but it was so good that I just want to talk about <laughs> it. They were first to every ball. They were they were moving. It seemed just on a different. It was boys against men, is the way I put it. And uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, sorry, carry on. No, I was done. Go ahead. Um. Well. Obviously, De Bruyne was uh, our, man of, our man of the match. I think that was undisputed in the end. Um, but um, a real uh, people aren't talking about Fernandinho enough. Uh, maybe they are, but even then, that's not enough. That's how good he is. I think he's the best defensive midfield player um, covering the midfield in the league at the moment. Um, I think yesterday he was incredible. He, he really was. He picked up his customary yellow card at the end, but uh, we expect that of him now. Um, but um, he, he, like you said, we can't talk enough about it, but he was uh, orchestrating the high pressing, the uh, nabbing the ball off, uh, Pogba, Rooney, uh, whoever it was at the time. Um, he was so, so good at that. And um, surprisingly, and I think this has been a pattern throughout the season, he wasn't the only one, um, and David Silva was phenomenal uh, in on the defensive side of things as well um he was obviously incredible on the ball that's expected of him but i i can remember a couple of challenges uh i think he put a great one in on uh, mkhitaryan and won the ball back and uh, started a counter attack there uh he was fantastic off the ball for such a small guy um and yeah this just uh, there was a lot of passion um, there from both of them in the middle, and that kind of set the tone, uh, I think. And De Bruyne was the same, and uh, I was even impressed with Sane once again. I think he took the ball off Ibrahimovic once in the defensive area. So, uh, I mean, we can't listen to me. I'm rambling on about it. We can't talk enough about um, the way Guardiola wants us to play off the ball uh, because it's it's great to see. And a word for Otamendi, too, who they had to defend in the second half. They had to work for it. And he was not backing down from any challenge. And, you know, there's been people have said things about Otamendi. He dives in too easily. And a lot of the criticisms have been fair. But I think yesterday we saw the Otamendi that we all thought we were going to get when we bought him. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think for the most part of the season so far in the few games that we've had, we've really seen um, so much of the ball and we've, we've pressed so high up and uh, that it's almost felt like Stones has been orchestrating the defensive line and uh, leading it from the back and Otamendi's just been sort of his counterpart. But the role seemed to have been reversed yesterday. I think it's because it was a more physical matchup, uh, especially against Ibrahimovic. But that was Otamendi looked in his element. He was an absolute rock for us, um, and he's he's underrated on the ball as well. Um, 
I remember, I, I think it was in the first half, or or maybe even the second, actually, I can't remember, but he, he gets the ball and he does this really fancy flick over, uh, it might have been Rooney, to Kolarov on the left. And he has that on his locker, you know, he's... Uh, we all talk about Stones on the ball and a great passer he is, quite rightly, but Otamendi was uh, just as good at it yesterday. And um, on almost every corner, he was completely bossing it defensively. Um, he he seemed to just erase this uh, so-called set-piece advantage that they had through the, the, the extra power or whatever Twitter had to say before the yeah. game. Yeah, uh, It didn't come to fruition at all. Um, I think maybe it might have if De Bruyne was taking their corners rather than Rooney. But anyway, um, <laughs> Otamendi was uh, really led our team from the back yesterday. It was a it was almost a captain's performance from him, even though he wasn't. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would say that everyone was good except for I don't, Sterling didn't quite reach his heights um, for whatever reason. There were probably various yeah. reasons for it. And, well... We're going to have to deal with the Bravo thing. Um, it was... If they don't get that goal, if we don't... It was a gift. If There's no really yeah. two ways about it. We gifted them that goal. If they don't score there and it goes to halftime at 2-0, two, two then you can dream what the score turns into because it didn't look like that was turning around. Mourinho would have made halftime adjustments, but obviously it looked like what happened. I don't think... and I. Bravo is thirty-three year old goalkeeper who's experienced. He's won at the at the club level. He's won at the international level. So I'm not really concerned that this is going to have any sort of permanent impact on him. But for the rest of the game, he looked a little bit timid. He looked like he was trying to do a little bit too much to try to prove something or something or other. I might be reading too much into it, but he just I do think it shook him a little bit when that when that happened. Yeah, oh, definitely, and I, I think it would, uh, particularly as a debutant um, and someone first game in the Premier League against a very physical side. Uh, I think no matter what age, you, that's going to affect you mentally. Um, I thought I, I was mixed about Bravo, but um, I think for the the I don't know what happened on the first goal um, uh, on, on the the only United goal. Sorry, um, it seemed like there was some sort of communication breakdown between him and Stones, because I don't have any doubts that he would have caught that ball without Stones there. So I don't, I don't know whose fault it was exactly. A lot of people just um, went straight to Bravo and blamed him, and maybe it was his fault for not shouting at Stones loudly enough. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's a, uh, just a, a problem of not being in the team long enough. We, yeah. It's been reported a lot on Twitter that he's only trained with us for two days. Um, the, uh, I think it was just he just had the Thursday and Friday with us because he's been sorting his move from Spain over the international break. Um, and I think any keeper, it's so integral for a goalkeeper to have a really strong working relationship with the two centre-backs. And... Um, I think that that was obviously lacking, but will come in in time. Um, I think I do think, like you said, he was he he was timid after that. Uh, he he, I mean, the Rooney situation where he, uh, there was a shout for a penalty there. I'm still undecided on whether it was or not. It, it was a bit reckless on Bravo's part, but uh, that's that kind of illustrated him being just very nervy. 
Um, but on a positive note, um, he was very, uh, I'd say about 80% of the time, he was very capable on the ball. In the first half when United didn't um, push so high up that we had to play it along, um, he was uh, playing some nice balls about um, which neither of our previous goalkeepers would have played. Um, and he did, he, he was almost playing as a Neuer sweeper keeper in the first half where a lot of the time he was passing it from outside his own box, which is interesting. Um, but I think I, I'm confident that he's he's perfect for us, and that was just him uh, adapting to his first game and and sort of uh, still bedding himself into the team. I think. Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly what it was. It was two days of work. He didn't really have a relationship with his centre backs yet, and I guarantee you that no one is going to work harder in training this week than Claudio Bravo. I'm just not. <laughs> it's not something that I'm really worried about going forward. But yeah, I agree. We can talk about the penalty shouts now that you brought it up. There were a couple. I don't know how many replays you've had the chance to see since the game. But um, we kind of agreed the Rooney one was... Uh, he got the ball. But yeah. it, it, in, it, but at the same time, I think what we agreed on, we can see why it wasn't given. We're obviously happy it wasn't given, but at the same time... In today's game, I think we felt a little fortunate that they didn't give it. Um, that was yeah, yeah. You can talk about that again. I don't know how much of it you've seen on video. I think it's important actually to um, note sort of the how it looked in real time, really, because yeah. it looked like a great tackle in real time, and that's yeah. how uh, we all saw it in the stands as well. So, I mean, obviously there were there were complaints from the United fans. There were complaints about almost everything uh, that went against them. Um, right or wrong um, but um, I, in real time it was such a hard call I don't think Clattenburg could have ever called that a penalty in real time because it was going so quickly and the ball went in the direction that Bravo intended it to go in when going into the tackle so it looked like it was a perfectly clean tackle but um, I, I'm still undecided because although he did win the ball, he, he had his, you know, um, his his foot was high, whatever. Um, and I have seen a replay, and it hasn't really, I haven't really come to a conclusion about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, watching the watching the pundits, at least over here, I didn't actually watch. I know it was uh, Thierry Henry and Graham Sunis over there. We had. Yeah. Our four, we had four, our four pundits over here. Two thought it was, two thought it wasn't, and that just sort of seems to be the general consensus: is that no one can quite agree. And that's yeah. you know, in, in an instance like that, it wasn't Stonewall. I think we can all agree on that. Definitely. And, and so, I think, yeah, go ahead. I think we do, as painful as it is, because I have my reservations over Mark Clattenburg, but. Yesterday, I think he did pretty well. I think he did. We a actually completely job. agreed with that. Yeah, um, he, he 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 seemed to let the game go as much as possible. He avoided uh, um, any big decisions. Really, um, he, he avoided um, penalty decisions. He, he he kind of shied away from that. And I, I, but I think it was for the right reasons. He wanted the game to flow. He uh, wasn't taking centre stage for a change, which was uh, fantastic. Um, and I, I do think uh, most of the time he made a very good call. Um, there were a couple of other shouts, I think. Um, 
and those were much easier yeah. to conclude. There, um, the Otamendi one, Mourinho was particularly aggrieved over, and I don't know why. I mean, I do. It's I, Mourinho, but um, yeah, it, I was confused by that. That that yeah. that, that was not a penalty. Yeah, he was turning his back. He was clearly trying to avoid it. There was clearly no intent. Everyone agreed on that. And so yeah. you know, nothing to say. And I know they there was one that hit Fernandinho squarely in the chest that not even he complained about after the game, which clearly <laughs> wasn't a penalty. There were, there um, were a few like that, but you're always going to get that from the yeah, United. It's, it, just, it just happens. You kind of get used to it. Um, yeah. Frankly, I don't know if you've seen this or if you even noticed it when you were there, but we should have had – I don't know if you remember. It was one of the corners in the second half. Um, Fernandinho got a pretty free shot at De Gea. There was a bit of a goal line scramble. And in the midst of all that, yeah, yeah Otamendi was going for the ball, and Eric Bailly just went straight in on him and got nothing of the ball and all of his leg. By the book, that's a penalty, and it wasn't you. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I I actually haven't managed to catch a replay on that, but I've heard of a lot of what other people have said. Um, and uh, I think there's an argument both ways, because obviously... Um, yeah. If you just go by the book, it's. I mean, he he doesn't get any of the ball. He goes in again, from the again in that instance. You know, no one saw it live. Exactly, I think it's another yeah. case of that. So yeah. I'm not, especially since we won the game, but I'm not going to sit here and see about that for that reason because that's another one. Yeah. really, really difficult also, to judge live because there's such a scramble going on in the goal mouth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Also, there was an argument that. Otamendi had already taken his shot, or already, already the play was sort of ending. As uh, Bay uh, uh, went in on the challenge, I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm going what other off what other people have said. So um, yeah, I, I haven't made a conclusion for myself about that. So um, yeah, maybe that factored in. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I get I get why it wasn't given. And other than that, I thought Clattenburg was pretty good. It was a joke that Rooney took as long as he did to get to get booked. Oh, but yeah, that was. That was- Main down, that was down. that was my main grievance with Clattenburg yesterday. Yeah, there's even an argument that because of the the so-called totting up process, um, that he he was he could have been sent off on another day. Um, maybe um, Clattenburg was making exceptions because it was a derby, because he was captain. I don't yeah, know. I think uh, he, I, can, yeah, I don't I don't know. I hope not. I think in that case, what I would like to think is there's an understanding that it's going to be a more physical, heated game than your usual Premier League game. Yeah. And if you referee it like a regular old Premier League game, then you're going to end up with nine men on each side or something like exactly. that. Exactly. I think refereeing, although you can do it by the book, I think uh, contextual aspects are so important for refereeing. Yeah. You've got to know the game that you're refereeing and and um, kind of play to that, I think. And I guess you could argue that he did that, but... Um, yeah. That, I, 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 I'm trying to give I him the benefit of the doubt because I actually thought he reffed a pretty good game. Yeah, I didn't mind Rooney on the pitch anyway. It, it was no big hassle, was yeah. it? <laughs> was it? Was it? Was <laughs> it? Uh, I was okay to let that one go. Yeah, and frankly, <laughs> as fans, I think we want to see these things end eleven on eleven. I mean, well, to a certain extent, I think if you're neutral, you do. I think if you're a yeah. City fan, you obviously want to see a bunch of people get sent off for United, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think in the interest of fairness, I think it's in everyone's best interest that unless blatant things are happening, you, you want to keep players on the pitch. Yeah, and the last thing uh, I want is complaints from the other fan yeah, base. Yeah, well, if they hadn't gotten... About, about them losing an unfair game 
Um, I think uh, the game we played yesterday warranted us beating uh, 11 men of United that were a lot worse than us. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy there was no big decision like you said. And I'm, I'm even happy that we didn't have to get a penalty as well uh, because no doubt uh, that would have been in the media the day after yeah, um, about the, the penalty uh, sort of finishing off the game or what have you. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, just um, a point about the, the overall game itself uh, I want to make. Um, uh, there was a lot after the game and while it was going on about it being a, a game of two halves, um, which uh, is a frankly ridiculous sentiment, I think. Um, I think that was uh, um, overstating United's performance massively. I think what was meant by that was we had such a good first half and then they came back in it into it in the second half yeah but the reality was our first half was so good that they never even got close to that in the second half and uh even when they did uh look to have momentum early in the second half and in the last five minutes of the first half um it was quite short-lived i thought um i thought by like 55th to 60th minute uh by the hour mark we were back on top to be honest um and that 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 brings me on to something I wanted to say about um, Pep's substitutions, uh, and in particular when he uh, his first one when he brought off Inacho and uh, brought on Fernando, I think that was honestly a masterstroke. Um, we at, at that point um, we seemed to just control the game uh, again, like not like to the extent we did in the first half, but we were back on top. We seemed to be dictating the tempo of the game. And they were once again chasing shadows. Just to have that extra man in midfield seemed to really benefit us. And Fernando was a lot better than I thought he would. Uh, he was. He would be. Sorry, uh, when he came on uh, for sure. Yeah, and the other thing I would say about the second half is even if it was more even, their chances weren't great. It was not. I didn't feel under siege. It didn't. Yeah. They weren't. You know, they were, they had some of the ball. They were getting better opportunities, but there was no, and it happened a lot during Pellegrini's last two years in particular, where it felt like they had the one goal lead and they were just hanging on for dear life. It never felt like that. It felt, they, it felt very controlled. And that is something that we've noticed in other games, the West Ham game as well. Um, where, when they were up by one goal, the Stoke game, we've kind of had the same That's feeling. There's just sort of more control. There's it doesn't feel like you're cl- clinging to something that's about to slip away. It didn't feel like that. And Definitely. So, and, yeah. Uh, so that's that's why I, you know the tale of two halves. They were better in the second half. There's no doubt about it. But it was, I I wouldn't say they they won the second half. It was just more even. Absolutely not. Um, to to pick up on what you said there, I think it's key to think of it in this way. Um, for I mean, United obviously wanted to um, instill some sort of pressure on Bravo, um, especially after the first goal. But how how many shots in, on target did they have uh, in that second half? I'm not actually sure about the stats, but I can't remember watching live uh, Bravo actually making a save. Or, I know they I know they only had three on target the entire game. Yeah, I mean that—that's uh, where we can draw parallels. I think with uh, West Ham and Stoke, um, there are times in, where we lull and the other team kind of gains control, but at the same time, um, the, there wasn't much uh, actual goal threat 
from United um, in the second half. Obviously, um, they had a, a shot on target omitted after Ibrahimovic touched it offside. And uh, Ibrahimovic in the first half had that free header he might have done better with on another day. But And the, and the mistake uh, that Bravo made right before halftime that allowed Zlatan the yeah. chance that he looked surprised came to him and it seemed to put him off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, um, I mean, they brought on Martial for Luke Shaw. They had all their attackers on. And it was in that final 20 minutes where there just wasn't enough from them at all. And we defended really well, but at the same time, that you have to challenge the keeper if you want to score uh, a goal, and there, there was none of that at all. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, that that was the impression that I got. There just wasn't. It wasn't a siege, and that's really all you can say about it. And City looked as dangerous, if not more dangerous, on the counter than United did going forward in that second half. They should have killed the game off before i mean they never really did but they probably should have yeah um and and that's you know what was the atmosphere like after the goal i i know that you could tell on tv the place woke up a little bit or a lot (laughs) actually but it's they they were in it more it felt like they were in it more i would imagine that that sort of turned the tide but um it was it was big it was um it was very end. it was very end to end which seemed to make for really good theater it did. It's uh, and a, a quick point to make on that. It's uh, it's nice to finally have a derby, uh, and both uh, sets of fans agreed on this. That actually uh, lives up to expectation. Um, the last few years have been terrible, but um, as for the atmosphere, um, it was it it really did step up. We just just did not uh, do us any favors at all, and the the fans immediately lifted the players, and momentum was with them, and which carried through to the start of the second half. And um, I don't, I don't think it helped Bravo as well, as you could tell on television. I imagine uh, the, the place, the roof lifted uh, whenever Bravo just touched the ball, um, and every time it didn't go to a City shirt when he played it out, uh, there was a massive roar. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 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 their goal could have been so much more significant if they actually uh, had more chances on goal. Uh, just because of the way the fans woke up, we allowed the fans to to wake up. But again, um, as we took control, uh, as, I said, as I said, around that uh, hour mark of the game, uh, as we took control, it, it didn't seem to carry on, and there was a bit of a lull, and it was it just turned into a, a tense atmosphere once again, um, which sort of carried on into the uh, last few minutes and. It, yeah, it was it developed into anxiety once the, once again, which was down to us taking control. Yeah, it seemed like at the end there was an appreciation of the game that everyone had just seen. And I, I they were also, they were getting right on Bravo every time he had a touch, and that probably didn't help much either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But... I, I don't yeah. think them. <laughs> yeah, I, we would do the same if the shoe was on the other foot, to be honest. Um, Definitely. So... Anything else that that sort of comes to mind from that? It sounds like it was a great experience overall. Obviously, winning obviously makes it better, but yeah, I the TV on TV the atmosphere seemed really good. Um, The game was obviously in points it was fantastic, but it was very action packed. There was it wasn't it wasn't very dull. Um, United's play style at at certain points left a bit to be desired, and if if you definitely yeah. 
but it wasn't dull by any stretch of the imagination. So I would imagine that everyone was pretty no. not not necessarily a result, but everyone was happy with the, what was on show. Uh, absolutely, I think um, as I touched on just before, uh, in terms of the uh, atmosphere alone, and um, it, it 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 doesn't compare to the last couple of years. Um, it was so it was just on a different level, I think, and uh, perhaps that was just because of the caliber of players that United have finally got in in Pogba and Ibrahimovic, and I think I think those so-called big names um, uh, just just raised the crowd automatically. Um, and then uh, I think it, I think it was finally United had the optimism um, to sort of back it up with like arrogance uh, in the almost it was almost like there was arrogance in the fan base and that kind of lifted the crowd uh, before the game <laughs> yeah. and that, that's why it's a good atmosphere and uh, they they they've had they had a better chance of winning that game than they've had in the last few years so. Yeah. Uh, maybe they got a little, a little overexcited, but um, that, that's why it was great. And I think, although I, I hate the media going on about Pep versus Mourinho, uh, that made a uh, that played a huge role in just the the caliber of game we were watching. And uh, although it was overblown, their their so called rivalry, um, it, it it lifts the fans automatically, like the big players. Uh, um, they know that. Uh, there are two real class acts, real trophy winners as managers, um, uh, and they're witnessing it happening, going against each other. So, I think quite rightly, it was such an incredible atmosphere um, on, on from both fan bases. To be honest, yeah, it felt like it mattered more again um, after the last couple of years, and I, I will say that. It was nice because it seemed like United got most of the media publicity in the week leading up to it, so it was nice to kind of put a stop to that. But I also said, no matter either way this game would have gone, I would have said the same if United won. I'm not sure what kind of overarching conclusions you can draw for a title race from that. But obviously, you'd rather have those three points than not have those three points. So, very, very... Yeah, go ahead. It was just nice to play. Uh, it was nice to finally um, have the evidence for some fairly naive people in both in the press and casual fans uh, in in this country and America um, that kind of claim that we've only got off to a good start because we've played average teams. You know, the excuse for West Ham was they didn't have Payet playing. They had Lanzini only coming off the bench. Blah blah blah. Uh, there was no Andy Carroll for that either, so we kind of got away with it apparently. And then you know the first game, it was it was only Sunderland. When we beat Stoy, it was you know it was like uh, they're they're a nothing team. And I don't even know what the excuse for Stoke was, but it seemed like there was one for every week. And we finally, a lot of the press um, thought that United were favourites for this. Um, and uh, you know it's nice to finally have the evidence for those perhaps naive people to um, to say that Pep and this team are the real deal. And I think that that goes a long way in, in, in sort of the title, although it's only three points. I think that it really sent a statement out that we're ready to win now. And this is, although it's a work in progress, this work in progress is still probably better than any other team in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, which is, it's fantastic to have that. And only going uh, to get better from here as they as they play exactly. more and they get more players in. 
Yeah, as you touched on, I mean, uh, it, it certainly helped us in the media that we didn't have Aguero, but we didn't have the best striker in the Premier League playing. We didn't have arguably the best centre-back in the Premier League playing either. Um, and we didn't have Gundogan playing, and then Sane only came off the bench then. So we have all of these weapons. Gabriel Jesus isn't even at the club yet. Yeah. Um, the depth and is what's really striking about it. Absolutely. We are, uh, we're finally a team that are set up to win in every cup competition. Whether we go all out in every cup competition is another thing. It wouldn't surprise me if we did because Guardiola wants to win everything, it seems. Um, I certainly don't see a repeat of uh, the FA Cup uh, where we fielded the reserve team yeah. uh, against, uh, at Stamford Bridge. Um but we finally have the depth which we've been seriously lacking uh, in the last in the Pellegrini era um, to to win anything that's uh, in our path. I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you know people are going to talk about Europe, and I think it might be a step too far at this point. But they're obviously very talented. They're obviously very deep, and they're obviously only going to get better. So there's so many reasons for optimism in a game like that yesterday because. What I said was, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to make this into some sort of, that was the stuff of champions. But not only did they show, you know, the physical, the, the quality, the, the technical ability, the skill to be able to play with any team in England, but there was a certain amount of steel there, a backbone. They were able to stand up to the physical barrage. They were made to fight really hard for that in the second half, and they held up. They more than held up. They passed that test with flying colors. And that gives me so much encouragement going forward that they can, you know, a team like United might thought they might be able to go in there and bully them around a bit physically. And they yeah. just weren't having it. It didn't happen that way. Yeah, uh, that was it was really refreshing, actually. And for such a, uh, a uh, on paper, such a small team, we were just so intense as a team. And the intense, the intensity was so high. And then we do have you know, the physical players. And although Fernandinho is not the tallest, he's so physical um, off the ball in the air that he was winning uh, aerial battles against people that were taller than him. Same with John Stones. Kolarov's already uh, six foot uh, one or two, I think. Uh, and then Kolarov lost a tooth yesterday. <laughs> he did. He yeah. did. Uh, well, that, was that from uh, Fellaini? Was, yeah, of course it was from Fellaini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So Kolarov was really tough. At times yeah. he was kind of lazy on the ball, but he he uh, provided the extra physicality uh, on the left-hand side with Otamendi that really helped us. Um, and uh, we uh, we seemed to have the perfect balance of physicality and uh, finesse, which was great to see. And yeah. it definitely bodes well for the tough Premier League away games that everyone goes on about. And uh, that stereotype of the Stoke away game. I mean, we've already conquered that. So there's a lot of yeah, there's a there, lot of room for there. There are, there are others that they'll face too. Like I think Josh and I are both really interested to see how they go at Liverpool, for instance, because that's a very specific yeah. system. But uh, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You, yeah. you saw at the end of the game this the and it's a little thing, but at the same time, it's a very big thing because you have Kolarov who has lost a tooth. Think because Marwan Fellaini continues to have no control over his arms whatsoever, or um, dignity, no, <laughs> or, or a lot of skill, really. But um, 
you, you see him, he's lost a tooth, and he just looks so over the moon, just like, we got him. And they, they all sort of look like that. And then they go over and applaud the fans because Guardiola directing traffic, you know, get over there and applaud them. And I think there was always sort of a disconnect under Pellegrini, particularly in the later years when they weren't winning at the pace that they would have liked between the players and the fans. The sort of the, the, a passion deficit is the way I would put it. Where, you know, <laughs> you only had when you were on the road, it was only not everyone came over to applaud. There was often accusations of sort of. <sighs> To, to use the term, just sort of being half-hearted about it. They weren't put it, giving it yeah. everything they had. I think those problems are a thing of the past, judging by yeah, not definitely. just yesterday, but everything over the course of the season so far. Yeah, I, I have uh, like uh, an anecdote about that, not personally, but one of my friends who um, travelled all the way to CSKA two years ago uh, to watch a Champions League game. Um, and uh, he he described it as as a real letdown after the final whistle went. Um, although he's such a devout supporter, he uh, all all he, and it is it, it's like you said it seems seems a little thing, but it is such a big thing. The players didn't make the effort or weren't um, told to make the effort to go over to the fans who have travelled and spent hundreds, maybe even thousands, to get uh, to Moscow uh, and. For, that would never happen under Pep Guardiola, and um, it was difficult for me to see because, <laughs> to be frank, um, a lot of United fans were passing me as I was trying to watch uh, the players after the final whistle. So there were crowds of people around me, but um, I noticed that Pep Guardiola not only um, pointed for everyone to go over to the fans, but he has this thing where he goes around every player individually almost. And it can be like a small word or it can just be a pat on the back. Um, but he goes around everyone in the active squad and congratulates them, um, which was it's small, but it's big at the same time, like you said. And uh, it's so it's so good to see. And it's so good to have people like Kolarov, who have been have been critical of in the past for a lack of passion to um, regain that. And he wasn't the only one that everyone was so passionate and that was particularly illustrated when the final whistle went and uh, they suddenly got into a team huddle and celebrated together i think yeah, uh, yeah. there's a there's a different sense of unity you, you don't see that last year absolutely you don't not. see there's that last different year. sense of unity under guardiola which <laughs> I, think, I haven't seen before yeah i think the enduring image of last year is um kalechi scoring that goal against spurs i think it was and basically celebrating by himself yeah, um, uh, <laughs> but that, that's not happening anymore. It's those days are done and gone. Last thing I want to ask you before I, you know, I'll turn it over to you and I'll ask you if you have anything else you wanted to touch on. But the last thing I wanted to ask you, yeah, um, and it is back to sitting in with with a bunch of United fans. What do you <laughs> what do you do? Like, do what do you wear? Do you wear your city stuff? Are you vocal? Or are you just sort of your hand? Not. What do you what do you do? Like, how do you handle that? Because I'm genuinely curious. There's no, not really anything like it here because we, we just yeah, buy tickets um, and you go to a game. There's no home and there's no way. And obviously exactly. I've sat with fans of visiting teams before and I've been a visiting fan, but it's cordial. Is it not? It doesn't seem as cordial. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll firstly start off by saying that I've, I've been to uh, baseball and NFL games uh, in America. I went to the AT&T uh, Park in San Francisco uh, Wrigley Field as well, and then uh, I went to Lambeau Field and uh, the AT&T Stadium, which is Dallas Cowboys, and everyone everyone sits together, and 
it was weird uh, because there was such a rivalry, uh, uh, especially at Green Bay against Seattle I went to see, and um, there was such a, a rivalry, but at the same time, uh, C- uh, Seattle fans were stood r- right next to me, and but even though I'm not a Green Bay fan, um, there were Green Bay fans around me, and it's really weird, and it kind of seemed to work in a weird way, but you'd never see that over here, and back specifically to your question, um, yeah, you definitely don't wear any city clothing. I think that's uh, an unwritten rule. I've actually heard of um, uh, fans uh, who uh, go in the um, home ends that are actually from the opposition team get thrown out before, but um, in certain stadiums. Um, so I went in very neutral clothing. Um, um, I stayed quiet. I, I, I was neutral throughout. I... I wasn't groaning when United were really bad, but <laughs> I wasn't celebrating when United were really good and vice versa. So it was weird. I, I wanted, I had such an urge to let out all my emotions, which was difficult, but I was content enough by the game just to sit and watch it play out live and to watch our City fans um, uh, do the, the crazy emotions for me. <laughs> no wonder you had to go out and party afterward. <laughs> exactly. You had exactly. a lot of pent up emotion that you just had to release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, but it was well worth it all the same. It was it was well worth it just to see it live. Yeah. Well, that's really all I wanted to cover with you. If you have anything that you wanted to add about the game, the team, anything that you wanted to mention, now feel free. Now is the time. Um, I I don't think I do actually. I think uh, I think we've done a fairly good job there, haven't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I I think we've systematically covered on more or less everything. Um, so uh, I don't really have any final thoughts other than uh, jubilation. That's a good way of putting it. We're very <laughs> happy and relieved, and we can move on to the Champions League group stage proper. Um, absolutely are you going to be there Tuesday night uh, yes I am yeah oh, I'm going uh, to be there and um, hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be a good game I, I'm really optimistic yeah I feel um, I, 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 yesterday I felt I know Guardiola doesn't have a great record against Gladbach from his time at Bayern but I feel pretty good about that one yeah um, it's a completely different situation I guess now yeah. but um, I, I'm I'm just uh, I'm really excited I think uh, we'll see a couple of uh players rotated in. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if uh, Sane started, like we yeah. mentioned earlier. I would, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe another winger. Um, yeah. And um, uh, maybe Gundogan in the squad. Maybe not squad starting, but in the squad. That could be a thing as well. Um, and uh, I imagine uh, maybe full-back rotation. Because one thing I took from uh, yesterday's game was uh, everyone on the pitch, uh, United and City, were literally finished at zero yeah. percent at the final. Yeah, year. absolutely. One of the things I noted was that United seemed a bit gassed after forty minutes. That forty minutes felt yeah. like they were struggling to keep up. So yeah. yeah, I think everybody was tired after that one. There was they gave a lot in that game. Both sides gave a lot in that game. So. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I would imagine that there was some rotation, and like we've said in the past, I would have been skeptical, but I'm happy to see rotation happen. Yeah. I would like to see. Yeah, I'd like to see. Um, and I think we game. can still get a result without. Sorry, what was that? Yeah, I, I'm just excited to see some of the other players, some of the rotation. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of been a very, it's been a very static team, which I don't have a problem with, but 
uh, you're going to have to start using the squad here because this is when the big two, three games a week start coming. Definitely, and uh, I think that'll be hopefully um, uh, become a, a big thing when we hit the uh, Capital One Cup, which I believe is uh, either, either a week on Wednesday or two weeks away. I, I can't remember, but yeah. we're, we're not far away from that. So at that, point, I, yeah, at that point, yeah, at that point, it's kind of taken as red that Inacho will start. But at that point, I want to see. It'll be interesting to see maybe the uh, the players we were talking about preseason, like. Uh, Maffeo, Angelino, and particularly Garcia, who was uh, picked in the squad yesterday. Um, it'll be nice to see those guys uh, come and play for the first team. Yeah, completely agree. All right, well, tell us where to find you on Twitter or wherever else you'd like us to find you. Um, I My Twitter handle is uh, JWBailey, all lower caps, B-A-I-L-E-Y, and then one straight after it. Um and yeah, I, I appreciate a follow. I often follow back. Um and always I'm always up for talking about Man City. So um any any often uh your your account uh posts various reactions to City and I just can't help myself to respond to it. And Absolutely. I do the same <laughs> I do the same with ASAN and the City Watch podcast and often have conversations with them and um, yeah, it's 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 really good to just get a kind of a Twitter community that I want to be a part of. Um, so uh, come and join me. Come and talk some Man City Absolutely. with me. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure we will be talking to you on the pod again at some point. Um, That'll be great. Several yeah. points during the season, probably. Uh, so <laughs> um, we are City Watches American Citizens. Still getting myself trained to say that. You can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and we are also sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. So, um, until middle of the week, after the Gladbach game is probably next time we'll come at you. Um, yeah. On behalf of Joe, my name is Gray. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>